Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, of course, Jeremy Feinstone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. There was only one show over this past week, but there's plenty to talk about. A lot of news. We're going to be covering the Lone Star Shootout, the show from Garland, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Uh, I was there live. We're going to be talking about the World Tag League. We have the teams announced now and the matchups. New Wrestle Kingdom matches have been made. We have new Young Lions debuting, a King of Pro Wrestling title match. Colin, you're here with us live. I'm glad to see you. And uh, we've just got a lot to talk about. Jeremy, uh, one show, busy week. We have a full lineup of stuff to talk about. We got the Lone Star Shootout. We've got the World Tag League. We got to thank Kevin Kelly right mm -hmm. at the top today, but we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, it feels like there's been an info dump, and while <laughs> things are kind of slow and damp, we got we're gonna have the World Tag League, but it's going it's gonna be during a time where a lot of people aren't gonna be online talking about this stuff during the holidays so uh, it's going to be fast and furious and we're going to be coming back and we're going to have you know the tag title for wrestle kingdom and are we going to have any matches after that you know i don't know but a lot of stuff to unpack and uh, i'm ready to do it the card is coming together though and so it'll be very interesting to see where this goes and uh we of course have uh this show every week except for next week we're taking next week off here in the united states thanksgiving day so we will be back two weeks from today so just a little thing off the top next week we will not be here but we want to thank everybody for tuning in we're going to get to all those topics in a second please remember to like and subscribe fight game media channel right there it really helps us out a lot also if you are listening as a podcast if you can give us a review or a uh, five-star rating all of that stuff helps people find the show if you have a friend that is new japan curious by all means word of mouth is often the best way to get things like that it's out okay there, to so. be curious it is okay to be curious. We accept all people here. So, uh, yeah, but, but please, anything you can do to help us out with that. But for everything that you guys do for uh, listening and tuning in, we're very grateful and very happy to see you this week. Jeremy, you're pulling uh, double, triple duty. I don't know with that. You're doing a lot. So uh, tell the folks about what you have coming up. Well, so we're not going to be here next week. And we're missing about three shows of World Tag League that we're going to bypass and do a super show uh, the Thursday after. We'll cover whatever news happens, whatever the super signing is at AEW Full Gear that might potentially be a New Japan talent. We'll unpack all that and figure out where it goes there. But speaking of AEW Full Gear, if you can't get enough of me personally, I'll be joining <laughs> Kevin Ely from The Boom live on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel, the channel you're watching right now. And we will be unpacking the full gear event that will have happened. And uh, I am an avid AEW watcher. Kevin Ely is one of the experts of AEW uh, deconstruction. And we're going to be talking the pay-per-view, what happened, where we think things are going to go. And uh, that is my invite to you to join us on Saturday night if you can't get enough of the Fight Game Media team. In addition that to that, watch Power Bomb shows on Sunday morning. Absolutely. That's going to be at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Power Bomb shows there with Sam and Mel. Make sure you check that out. Five Star Joshi Show is now in the free feed on the Fight Game Media uh, podcast network. Make sure you listen to that. Scott will tell you everything you need to know about Joshi. We got it all covered here at uh, Fight Game Media. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a New Japan adjacent pay per view full gear, isn't it? Because Jay White is challenging MJF for the AEW title, so big time uh, Bullet Club presence, New Japan legend presence in that. So, New Japan uh, dark John Moxley is going to be on the show. Absolutely, uh, Wheeler Yuta may be on the show. Like all these all these New Japan stars that are just coming our way. Maybe Trent Beretta is going to show up. Eddie Kingston might play a part. Who knows? But there's one the world one of thing New I, Japan. And AEW will collide once again, and maybe their worlds will end in some type of G1 tournament style uh, collision that I can con contract all these AEW new fan terms <laughs> and, and magically until I kill this podcast dead. <laughs> they will collide in a pool of dynamite in a rampage. Oh, um, <laughs> so, all right, let's get to the news revolving uh, New Japan. So, uh, yeah, Dunstan's here too. Dunstan's here. Good to see you, Dunstan. Colin is going to ask the question. We're going to go right to it. What's going on there? I thought Kevin Kelly was with New Japan through Wrestle Kingdom. Well, we did too. And that was what Kevin had been saying all along, what New Japan had been saying all along. Things changed this past week. Now, Kevin said that he was going to be working mostly on Collision. He did the G1, of course, and we were grateful to have him there for that. He uh, you know, was doing some other events, but his main thing was his swan song was going to be Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash. He was going to make the trip over. This past week, it was announced that he is leaving before that. He's not going to be doing Wrestle Kingdom. He's not going to be doing Dash. Uh, Walker Stewart will be handling the duties for that. Now, as someone who Walker really time. enjoys... If someone who really enjoys friend of the show, Walker Stewart's work. Uh, I'm I'm fine with this. Walker, I know, is a little bit disappointed. Jeremy, he really wanted to do the uh, collaboration with Kevin. He was really looking mm -hmm. forward to working with Kevin, and and I'm sure that uh, Kevin would have been very gracious and and you know handed the mantle over to him would have been a very nice moment. This is my uh, thought on on here. I, I, Walker's going to do a great job. He already has, sure. and it's it's clear he knows the product. The announcement was worded that it was Kevin Kelly's decision, and I wonder, and I'm only supposing here, only supposing, uh, if it has to do with what's been going on with Kevin Kelly on Collision, it just might not be a good idea for Kevin Kelly to miss more dates. And the main thing is he's already kind of moved to an analyst role after being play-by-play -play with Nigel. Now they've moved Tony Schiavone in. Kevin is a second analyst in there. And then now a lot of times Kevin's not even on the main event because they bring JR out for that. Might be a good idea with all of these announcers running around the backstage area not to miss too many more dates. So I wonder if that played into it. All of that is supposition. Uh, he says it's more of a family thing right there. But nevertheless, with, with what's been going on, some signs with Kevin Kelly and AEW that aren't great, uh, maybe it's just a better idea not to miss shows right now. It's muddy and it's ambiguous. The way mm. that everything is phrased immediately makes you start asking questions about what part of Kevin Kelly's agreements is he like having to reconsider and why is he having to reconsider these things? And then you just start thinking about stuff. Maybe it's in any of our business. And then, so you just want to think, well, if it was professional, what is, what is the deal with what he's got going on in AEW? And I think your concerns are probably pretty valid, but I've been kind of thinking that Tony Khan has about 12 people to do the job of eight people on commentary between <laughs> Rampage, Collision, and Dynamite and the pay-per-views. And for whatever reason, he wants to make sure everybody gets a piece of the pie. And it seems like there might be some competitive edge to getting the time 
uh, I definitely get the sense that Kevin Kelly is the low man on the totem pole and is basically the guy that gets the scraps of the shows at this point rather than coming in and being the guy, signed to be the guy, the lead on collision, the play-by-play, what we had all envisioned. Was the stumble out of the gate uh, very real? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't. He didn't sound immediately great, but uh, he's coming into a new product, and he was focused entirely on New Japan. And he, uh, you know, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, at least for a few months, to get his feet wet, to just kind of uh, get through, go with the notes from people that supply him uh, the information that are uh, reliable and diligent. And uh, so he could be the, yeah, absolutely, uh, the people that, um, so he can call the show the way that people expect him to call the show. And I was expecting a little bit more time for him, but it just seems with, with all the tumultuousness in AEW, there was room for power plays in the commentary section, and we're seeing it now. And my best guess is that if Kevin Kelly just keeps his head down and is able to just do his thing and not cause any problems, the vacuum in the commentary will eventually open up and he will have his opportunity. And if he is ready and prepared for it when the time comes, the job will be his. We're just going to have to see how this plays out on the AEW side. And uh, But for us in New Japan, we do have Walker, who is uh, new to the job, but has really shown and shined uh, nicely in the events he's done thus far. I got a chance to speak with him briefly, although he was losing his voice. His voice was just about shot after doing a heck of a Lone Star shootout card, so I didn't want to keep him long just because the poor guy wasn't going to be be able to talk. But, uh, you know, it was uh, we're in good hands is is what I'm saying as far as the New Japan thing. Sure. This is the thing we were always worried about. Is who's going to be the new guy? Is he going to be any good? Well, now we don't have to sweat that anymore. So now uh, from what I'm doing is I'm just rooting for Kevin Kelly to pull through this and, and get into that uh, spot that uh, a prominent spot with AEW. And I, I, I do worry a little bit, but you know, who knows? So uh, we'll have to see how that plays out with Kevin, but uh, collisions, a good show and it's certainly good wrestling in AEW. We criticize the booking on here fairly often, but you can't argue with the wrestling and Kevin Kelly knows how to call really good wrestling. He's been doing it for years in new Japan. So do you I think have there's a, place a moment that you think of that is your signature Kevin Kelly moment in new Japan, like a, a spot that you just like think, yeah, that that's, that's the Kevin Kelly moment. I would say some of the work he did in the 2022 G1 storytelling wise was top of the list. He really walked us through that tournament really well, telling the story of how that whole thing developed with Okada, with uh, with Osprey, and all of these. You know, that's where he really turns it on. It's not just about calling moves. You can have Excalibur if a guy wants screaming the names of moves constantly. Mm -hmm. But if you want to just tell a story. I think that's where Kevin really excelled. And, of course, he's with Chris Charlton, who's brilliant at that, uh, who also paints that picture well. So I thought the 2022 G1 was some of his very best work in walking us through the ups and downs of that tournament all the way to the conclusion. And that was when I really realized, and I knew for a while before that, but the boy, he, when he's into what he's doing, when he is – watching a really good product when it all comes together uh kevin and chris are one of the best teams i've ever heard when they're hitting on all cylinders i have absolute agreement with you 
I would say when I think of Kevin Kelly, I think of the way that he just yells Rainmaker when Okada hits it and he just or Destino or Destino or uh, Stormbreaker. Just the way that he sells the finisher, uh, even when it's not the finish and he gets fooled on it, uh, that is part of how the audience falls for the near finish as well. And that is something that I think he does exceptionally well is calling that finishing move at a peak moment in such a way that uh, he leads you into the pin attempt. Wanted to mention this too. Dunstan says AEW has another signing shocker. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like every week, uh, one of the funniest things, and I don't know if, if uh, Mel from uh, power bombshells either did this herself or found it or whatever it was, but it's the graphic of Tony Khan has a huge announcement, <laughs> except they removed the word announcement and it says Tony Khan and Tony Khan makes a huge announcement. The word announcement is removed and it says Tony Khan makes a huge sandwich next week, on the, <laughs> which is about as newsworthy as a lot of these announcements have been, but we expect there to be a signing at uh, full gear. And <laughs> Tony says a lot of things. <laughs> Tony okay. says a lot of things. He said, this is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Well, you don't go up there and you say, well, we signed a guy who's pretty mediocre. So, of course, he's going to say that. So, the question is, is this Mercedes Monet? That's about the only thing New Japan adjacent that would really matter that much. Remember Will Ospreay? They can't announce Will Ospreay yet. He's still under contract for a while. I Not had a theory about Will Ospreay, but I don't know how deep down this rabbit hole you want to go. Oh, God. You, you think it's Will? It's possible. How is he? How does that work with if his will, New Japan it contract? means that New Japan and AEW will have an agreement that New Japan will continue to have will for major dates, and this is nothing but good news for New Japan. If okay. they announce a, if AEW announces this before the end of Will's uh, non compete, that means New Japan allowed them to talk to AEW to see if they could get a deal made with the provision that they would potentially have access to him for major dates not the g1 i don't i think we can kiss the g1 goodbye but say dominion or say like a power struggle or the wrestle kingdom i i don't think the door is closed and if it is will this is nothing but good news for new japan all right well we'll find out saturday right that's when the announcement but i think it's mercedes monet yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning to. So, uh, and as Colin mentions, they can't TK can buy the rest of Will's contract out. You're not going to even all... need to buy the rest of Will's contract. It's, it's not that much money. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I don't think there's a whole. Yeah, yes, he could. You're right, Colin. He absolutely you could just could. keep paying Will on top of the contract, and everybody could be happy. Yeah, and then uh, Vincent Bjorn's here. Good. Uh, he said he says uh, this. Uh, imagine NJPW and AEW uh, went. What if we get? Uh, what if we both get you under contract? Yeah, I, the that could be what we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Moxley's deal with AEW stipulates they can't keep him from doing these other dates. It's a yeah. you hear about exclusive contracts. Moxley is a designatedly non-exclusive. He is he is uh, he is a poly was uh, a poly employed. <laughs> and this is to say, I know nothing, but this is the scenario in which I can see that Will has signed with AEW and why it would be good for New Japan. And by the way, I wanted to mention this. <laughs> so we're going to get into the Lone Star shootout very shortly. Richard, <laughs> my man. We, so I don't know if you guys looked at this on X. And, and he's saying that Kevin Kelly is by hands down the best play-by-play play man in the biz, not even close. 
Uh, and, you know, we love Kevin uh, and, you know, we wish him everything with the collision. But apparently Richard How can you and I be both... 12 feet away from somebody and not see them, Stephen. <laughs> so Richard put this video up and he just says, oh, I didn't see. I was in section 111. I was like, I was in section 111. He says, I was in row one. I was, I was in row three. Like we're very, we probably could have. If we had waved our arms, we may have collided. As it turns out, we managed to miss each other. And then Richard puts a video up of Moxley's entrance. But by the way, we're going to get to this. But speaking of strong style, two for two on having Moxley walk down our aisle of the building. How about that? Huh? Uh, so that happened to you out there, right? I've happened to me three times. Three times. Holy moly. So uh, just the ones for me. But Richard puts up a video of Mox coming down the aisle and the back of my girlfriend's head is in this thing. I'm not, I'm just off camera a little bit. So we just missed each other. I thought, which I thought was really, really fun, but uh, yeah, uh, we're going to get to Lone Star shootout in just a moment. And uh, Dunstan just says new Japan better ask for a, a shit ton of money. If they do a buyout for Will's contract, not necessary. I, I think if he does anything with AEW, I think there are going to be things worked out. And uh, Venkin just says, and I love, I love Moxley for that. The non-exclusive thing. Seems to have worked out well, certainly for Mox. He seems to really be enjoying what he's doing. I mean, you went to a you went to a New Japan show that had more AEW star power than the AEW show that I went to at the same night. That's very true. That's very true. So, shall we get to Lone Star Shootout? Let's do it. All right. So, a couple things about this. Uh, first of all, traffic horrendous in DFW on a good day. This was absolutely fearsome. It was a nightmare. It took five hours to drive from Austin up to this building. And we barely we got into the building, and then they only had basically one door and two security lines open. Everything took forever. Everything took forever. And this is a building that's basically used for high school basketball, the Colwell Center. This is where Collision and Dynamite are going to be, or no, uh, Ring of Honor pay-per-view and one of the shows, either Dynamite or Collision, later on. But it's it's basically a, a, a very elaborate uh, high school basketball gym right now, as it is. And uh, this center, you know, it has like one concession stand is open. Everything took forever. I missed the first uh, dark match, the Matt Vandegrift and Barrett Brown. And I'm, I'm embarrassed about that, but it just took forever to get to the building. It took forever to get into the building. And then once I was there, the concession stand line was long. And I was hungry because we had just driven up five hours from Austin. I hadn't eaten anything. So I'm sorry about that. I don't have anything to report there. And then as I got down to my seat, Fred Rosser and Tom Lawler was the other dark match. And this was a main event of an NJPW Strong Show not terribly long ago for that strong like two or three title. Main yeah, a, a big feud and things. And I got a distinct feeling about this whole situation here that we'll get into a little bit later, but I'm going to start now. Fred Rosser won the match in 13 minutes, three seconds. Good match. These two know how to work with one another. Uh, Rosser rolled Lawler up off of an ankle lock. So Lawler had the ankle lock. He reversed it into an STF. So Rosser had an STF and then rolled him over to win. And Richard says, my brisket sandwich was cold. Boo. Yeah. One, this building's not great. This building's not great. It, it, it has decent sight lines, but it's, you know. Anyway, uh, afterwards, so Rosser won the match. Afterwards, Lawler shakes his hand and walks out, show a sportsmanship. Barely a word of anything else, barely a heel thing. This kind of felt like someone putting someone over on the way out. And we're going to get to that a little bit later in this one. But I don't know that that's true, but this did feel like Lawler was 
not going to be a part of the story going forward because he certainly didn't show up later. There was barely a mention of Team Filthy when it came to the West Coast Wrecking Crew. And it just, again, no inside information, but this felt like you beat me. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to walk away. I've been vanquished. That's what this felt like to me. There are two ways that I'm looking at this. Uh, What is happening here? Oh, my gosh. Look at you. I, I'm just I celebrating. I, I for those on the podcast, a random set of cartoon balloons I, just popped I, I, up behind I, you. I, um, do it again. Do it again. Please, no. I, I don't know what <laughs> happened there. Uh, balloons for Tom Lawler. And what I'm about oh, to say is not you, a balloon. You don't have any flowers to give him, Jeremy? You love to give people no, their flowers. Now you're doing balloons. Uh, I'm glad you were here for that because I am absolutely baffled about what just happened here. Like, if one of those, did anyone else just see that? <laughs> um, okay. If this is real, uh, it, if this is not an angle, Lawler and West Coast Wrecking Crew not really getting an avenue to move forward at this time, uh, them not being in the World Tag League for one, does kind of feel like they are there are no plans for them at this time yeah no plans for them at this time if it is real is a mistake they are talented and strong mm-hmm. built on their backs for the last few years and there's plenty of talent for them if this is an angle this seems like an excellent vehicle to get them into bull Okay, we'll see how it turns out. But man, there's an awful lot of people in Bull Club as it is. The, well, here's the thing: like they need domestic because they're going to have all those other guys in Japan for the majority mm. of the time. So if they have a domestic side for strong, where you have Filthy and uh, Roy Sykes and Jorel Nelson uh, repping Bull Club, and then they get their invitation to go back there from time to time and do other stuff, maybe we have a scenario where that happens. You know, there was a time where Bull Club had like 14 or 15 people. Right mm-hmm. now they have six or seven. You're talking about Taiji Shimori and Chase Elf. Maybe it's time to phase them out. Well, if they do that, maybe they need a couple more guys in there. So, you know, those are the two avenues. If it's a legitimate phase out because they have no plan for them, that sucks. If it's not and it's a story and it's an angle, I can see where it's going. It's worth noting, too, that under ghetto for instance he likes to really tear people down before he pushes yeah, them so maybe maybe not about the worst tear down and then they made him world champ <laughs> richard says tom waller to aew be interesting thing why not everybody else is going to aew i think he's i'm going an adam thing. cole match so uh he's got one foot in the door until that other foot gets healed dunston mentioned something it feels like either bushi road don't want to spend more money on foreigners in japan Again, the, the exchange isn't great. So like the, the ends down, it's a little, it's more expensive to bring them in for New Japan. So I, I believe they are cutting back on that because it is more expensive to bring a foreigner, about 30% more expensive to bring a foreign talent into Japan than it used to be. And it, Dunstan just says that to me, it feels like they have no clue how to implement strong talent like Team Filthy. Hasn't been the smoothest transition, has it? They, they but brought... I am in wait to see mode. I am in total wait to see mode right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll move on to that to the main show. And it started off with a really nice match. And this was Atlantis, Tiger Mask, and Mascarada Dorada. And they faced Ultimo Guerrero, Rocky Romero, and Hechicero. So uh, a with Tiger Mask in there. This is a CMLL mask match. Five, five of these six guys are CMLL 
regulars. So uh, the Rudos got heat from a Texas crowd. Of course, you know, Lucha is still part of the fabric around here. And uh, this was fun. This match was better than expected. The CMLL guys, I was wondering how they were going to handle this. This is a Friday night, and they're not booked in Arena Mexico where they draw eight or 9,000 a week. And here they are in front of about, uh, well, we'll get to that, about 1,000 people announced. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, I, I, I said to her, you know, I wonder how many people are here. And she took that as a challenge and did a head count and came up with about 850 and change. Just kind of like actually going through the crowd and just kind of do, uh, but and that fits with the number of tickets sold versus the number of people that that show up. There's usually 15, 20% that don't. That type of thing it works. So I wonder how the CMLL guys are going to be in front of this much smaller crowd than they're used to. But they worked really hard. This was a lot of fun. Dorada ended up beating Hechicero with a shooting star press. A uh, really fun match to begin with, 13 minutes and 41 seconds. Of course, Rocky was in full Lucha heel mode, but Lucha Libre always has a presence in Texas. You know, they, we're, we're down here. Dallas is in North Texas, but nevertheless, there's a little bit of that there. And so uh, the crowd was very accepting and very into those guys, and it turned out to be uh, an enjoyable one. Yeah, totally fun match. When I, you were doing the rundown, and uh, I suddenly realized, did you hear that? thing where uh i guess the denver broncos are on a three-game winning streak since mm-hmm. the cmll guys uh, came to went to mile high or whatever that's cool <laughs> and i'm just like man you bring cml around good things happen including in these absolutely <laughs> they're on a roll Literally. Uh, Tor- oh man <laughs> the next one toro yano and joey janela well uh, this is exactly I, I- how i thought it was gonna go yeah, that, that's my percent. note. Uh, Richard, by the way, said it was a fun match. Seeing Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero was very cool. Yeah, I didn't mention that. I, that was the first time I get a, had a chance to see Ultimo Guerrero in person. And uh, it was kind of fun to explain to my girlfriend that Atlantis, uh, Atlantis has gotten a lot of people's masks, and one of them was Ultimo Guerrero in a big-time uh, big match one day. But anyway, Joey, uh, Janela, and Toriano. I said, are they going to bring them over to just do a standard Yano match? Yep, sure did. This was uh, a Yano that. match. And it was Joey nine minutes. Janella just did spots on himself. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, Toriano did no work whatsoever to hurt himself for the most part on Janela's bullshit. And yeah. uh, we got exactly what we thought it was. And I sure Janela had the time of his life, and I am happy for him. Yeah, uh, bucket list thing checked off perhaps sure. for him. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen Joey Janela now. And up I can't next. wait for him back to the Super Juniors. Oh, Jesus. You're just trying to hurt me. Uh, up next is the, the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, and Clark Connors. Now, they faced the Gorillas of Destiny squad of Tamatanga, Tangaloa, uh, and then uh, teaming up with Kushida and Kevin Knight. Uh, so... What we had here was uh, a pretty good match. This was more along the lines of a house show preview tag in Japan, which means it was well-wrestled, but maybe not the most newsworthy thing in history. The one thing I'll say is that uh, Gabe Kidd is becoming a standout with his heel work, although it's mostly just by cursing at the crowd. So not something that would really work in every audience right there. Uh, my question is, is Coglin in danger of getting left behind? Because... Gabe Kidd is getting a solo main event against Will Ospreay, and it looks like he'll be getting another one that we're going to get into later on in the show. Uh, are they thinking that maybe Kidd is the, the single star here, and maybe that team isn't uh, for long? Anyway, uh, Connors ended up beating Kevin Knight in this one, uh, getting his finish in. 
just like I said, standard house show match, well wrestled, uh, maybe not the most newsworthy thing, but uh, we had to get a couple of people in the building. Gabe Kidd needed to be in the building. Tomatonga needed to be in the building. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they kind of built a match around that. Uh, this was a fun match. I think, I think, yeah, I think Gabe Kidd, uh, I think that they are confident in him and the next man up after Finley is Gabe Kidd uh, down the line. And uh, I think you can see it now. Even, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to say that Coughlin is bad or anything, but I think He's that the odds are on Kid. I think Kid is just kind of checking off the boxes right now. And, you know, I thought Tamatonga would win to kind of grease up his feud with Shingo, but no, it was uh, Clark Connor pinning one of the jet setters in order to heat up the uh, junior heavyweight match with Catch 2 2. Let's get some comments on here because we've got some good ones. Uh, Dunstan mentions, he said, I came home from work and Janela versus Yano was the first thing I saw. Took a nap for the next 15 minutes. Correct decision, sir. Wash your face, you know, (laughs) good skincare. I believe Venkin is saying that's great, uh, referring to Kid and his push. Uh, And he's, yeah, because, I mean, he was attacking people at the press conference for the G1. He's always done the loose cannon thing since he turned. That G1 press conference is why I have my eyebrows raised on Team Filthy. Because okay. they were allowed to go in on company and really just kind of uh, air their grievances in a public forum. And the company's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. This is great. Do it. <laughs> Dunstan says Gabe is uh, so good. He showed a lot in the G1, but Alex suffered being in a less interesting block. That's a fair point. Uh, but, I, but both did fine in the G1. I, I, I think Coglin is really good, too. I just think that right now, you're, you're right. They do seem to have a singles eye on uh, Kid going forward fairly it is soon nothing which... but good thing for coughlin to be attached to kid though no sure no no no. and, and coughlin's gonna be fine coughlin's a talented right. dude so you know and <laughs> richard yeah i love this show uh maybe jerry jones should book a cmll show <laughs> yeah might help the cat although the cowboys look pretty good last week but a lot of people do against the giants don't they so uh but yeah the the maybe jerry jones should start booking him now there's going to be a bidding war cmll the do matches in parking lots it's a uh, the, the the good luck charm uh, all right, what's the next match here? We had the, uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, it was the strong open weight tag team title match. This is El Fantasmo and Hikaleo against the aforementioned team Filthy, Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson. 12 minutes, two seconds. A lot of power moves by Isaacs early in this one. The guy's impressive. He did the long walk suplex where he kept the guy up in the suplex position, walked all the way around the ring. Then I, I liked it that he then dropped ELP onto Hikaleo on the outside. Didn't just bump him, you know, normally, uh, which I thought was cool. He did the 10 squats before hitting a fallaway slam. You know, I, if you watched me talk about Isaac's 2022 uh, G1, you know, I'm in the tank for him. I think he's fabulous. And Nelson's very good, too. There was a ref bump because, you know, have to in uh, New Japan. Uh, low blow and a belt shot to Hikaleo. But when they tried to get ELP, ELP dodged the belt and uh, Nelson ended up uh, hitting Isaacs, super kick to Nelson. They pinned Isaacs. This is my point on this one. They not only overcame the cheating, they beat both of them, basically. They could have pinned either one of them. They beat Isaacs. And this is just another example of Team Filthy either putting someone over on the way out or last stop before something new for them. And we already saw Tom Waller basically walk out with a handshake saying, hey, you know, uh, you're all right, kid, to uh, Fred Rosser. And here, clean as a whistle victory for uh, El Fantasmo and Hikaleo going into the World Tag League. Would you preferred 
Isaac and Nelson instead of Lance Archer and Alex Zane. No, uh, and and I and that's not an insult to Isaacs and Nelson. It's I really like Archer and Zane. I think there's an interesting charisma with the two of them together. I like what I saw in Las Vegas. So the reason uh, I no. ask is that these are both teams that had some kind of feud with Hikuleo and ELP in the last couple weeks that uh, they could have been switched out of proxies for each other, given how the World Tag League is set up. So I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were about that. I think Archer is a slightly bigger star in Japan right now, and that works better for, for what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And especially, um, in, a, and especially am, in a heavyweight tournament. I am bummed for World Tag League or for West Coast Wrestling WCWC that they will not be in WTL. Uh, it is a little bit of a WTF, but uh, I understand the situation. Uh, oh, I, I set that one up pretty good, I thought. Um, no, I hope it's an angle. I hope that there is bigger plans in store. Those three guys have worked really hard. Danny Limelight has kind of disappeared. Uh, I don't mm. know what he's got going on. He might be injured. Uh, but there is room for something if they are okay. willing to pull the trigger and do uh, uh, a major twist with all their characters. Uh, Danny was in Vegas, though, I think. Wasn't he, Wasn't he on that card with uh, Isaacs and Nelson? Just to set up I Isaacs and Nelson I've, fighting him, uh, attacking him. You're asking me to remember a strong card from three weeks ago, and I and I I failed your test. I failed the city. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, oh well, we'll get to Tongaloa in a second. Oh, and Richard was asking, is Tongaloa 100% healthy now? He seemed hesitant to me. He has been since he came back. Like he doesn't have full faith in that knee. That I agree with. I think he maybe he doesn't. He is... Maybe maybe he shouldn't have full faith in the knee. Yeah. And Dunson says this was baffling to me. Uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew are a good team to have. Seems like the company just doesn't want to spend any more talent on Gaijin. You know, it could be that. It could be what Jeremy is talking about, that they're just uh, getting them ready for something new. Again, they like to tear people down before they build them back up. So we'll have to see three talented men, three talented men. But also, after a while, if the company feels like they've done what they want to do with them, then it's, you know, time to move them out. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that's the correct decision, but uh, it just has to be what the company's thinking at the time. So I will we'll say, uh, based off of reports, I have seen that Rose Isaac and Jorel Nelson have matches lined up with a stateside promotion with uh, television. So, Okay. Yeah, they're on Rampage, our Ring of Honor, one of, one of those uh, this upcoming week on the taping. So uh, might have a spot there for a little while. Bankin thinks they're holding off on the guy, Jin money to spend it all on Osprey to keep him. Well, if you're going to keep one guy, that's the guy. So we'll see what they're doing with that. But... I guess not a spoiler. Ring of Honor airs in like ten two hours, and most <laughs> people won't be watching. Well, most people will be catching up after the fact. Yeah, I read that uh, the West Coast Wrestling crew are on Ring of Honor this week. So okay, they they have they have a little bit of something going on. Oh yeah, I mean they're going to get booked. I mean they're they're going to. I hope booked. so. Yeah, no it's one's not necessarily I'm, guarantee. I'm not worried like, about that. Maybe they'll end up in impact or something like that. But sure, you know, there's there's a lot of bloat on a lot of rosters. So hmm. the best place for them is to have a spot refreshed in New Japan. After that, we had a special match between Mystico and TJP. This is another one that is exactly what you would think. Very smooth. Very good. It was a classic Mystico match. It was a showcase for him. And TJP did a great job uh, of doing so. It was really good selling from Mystico off of TJP's offense. Really good crowd work. 
armbar finish for Mystico. I mean, that's what this was, right? It was just a match that was a good match that Mystico is supposed to win. And uh, I'll say this, that Mascarada Dorada and Mystico captured the imagination of my girlfriend. She just said she wanted to see more of that. She just loved how smooth they were in the ring, how effortless some of their flips, dives, tijeras looked. And uh, those are two of the very, very best, of course. But uh, that really captured everybody. And it was kind of a lucha-y crowd. I mean, people really enjoyed that part of the show. Mystico's yeah. fabulous. TJP's excellent in the ring. So, uh, you know, this is an enjoyable 12 minutes right here between the special match uh, with Mystico and TJP. If it means more Mystico popping up in New Japan rings, uh, we're all winners. Yeah, it, it was a great match. I had a little bit of an eyebrow raise of a guy challenging for a tag title at Wrestle Kingdom doing a job uh, in a singles match. But, you know, it's Mystico, it's TJP. It kind of doesn't matter in a singles match. People aren't really thinking about that. But uh, they're so careful in a lot of the ways that they book these matches that I just thought it was interesting that uh, Mystico was enough of a star that they did not, uh, that they were willing to let TJP lose this match. There was a little kid who was sitting front row on the aisle on, at this show, and he was having the time of his life, absolute time of his life. And everybody noticed him. And I was sitting behind him, so I couldn't really see his face, but he seemed to draw the attention of everybody. This kid standing on the aisle got selfies with Mystico. Uh, ELP and Hikaleo <laughs> put their belts over his shoulder and took pictures with him. This kid, I mean, they practically brought him back to the locker room and gave Give him me a, a wrestling fan for life. No kidding. I mean, he was he was great. That's and, how you and do it, it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And his dad was over there taking all the sh snapshots. It's it great. And uh, Vega just says, "Okay, now show her Vikingo." Uh, yes. <laughs> Very well put. Yeah. I, it, I mean, geez, <laughs> so many things in wrestling right now are hitting at a high level. But right now, Lucha Libre is just fantastic, and you know, <laughs> it really is. I mean, there's some really good stuff going on in AAA. CMLL is doing well. It, it's it's fun when it's like this. There's a lot of energy about, so uh, a positive energy with this. And uh, yeah, uh, let's see. And, oh, yeah. And then Dustin just said, by the way, that this match woke me up. Uh, it was weird. There was no added build to the Catch-2-2 two -two versus War Dog feud with Clark being there. Yeah, they could have done something with that, and they didn't. But uh, I'm glad the match woke you back up after that nap, because it was very good. So, uh, And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. And Richard has some information. That boy was at his first ever wrestling show. He met him and his dad earlier in the night. Oh, cool. Man. Well, there you have it right there. He'll be back. He'll be back. It was very cool. And uh, we had next, Eddie Kingston, Satoshi Kojima. This was an Eddie Kingston match in all the, <laughs> in all the best ways, right? Lots of yeah. selling by Eddie, a hard hits. Both guys doing the whole thing where you suck it up and look your opponent in the eye and slug it out in the best Eddie Kingston way. The timing is good. Selling was very good. It was just what you'd want this to be. And the thing is, how many people in their 50s wrestle a regular schedule at the level that Satoshi Kojima works? Almost no one. I'm not saying no one ever, you know, but hardly anyone. And, and I know that Suzuki is around that age. Nagata is about that age, but they don't work the consistent schedule that Kojima does. This guy's special. He's terrific. Enjoyed the match. Afterwards, of course, we mentioned Gabe Kidd needed to be in the building. It's because he had the sneak attack on Eddie Kingston afterwards. Beat down Eddie after his battle with Kojima, which went 10 minutes, 43 seconds. Very stiff work. And uh, Kidd 
will be getting the strong open weight title match in the future. But as far as this match in and of itself goes, I loved it. It's everything you'd want for these two. It was everything that you thought an Eddie Kingston match was going to be against Satoshi Kojima. They both did their spots. And uh, I, I'm going to kind of plug the New Japan world right now because one of the first things I did is I went in and I favorited all the uh, old Wrestle Kingdoms and Dominions and just kind of going back and rewatching that. And uh, I saw Satoshi Kojima from like 15, 18 years ago in one of those original main events. Uh, frankly speaking, he hasn't lost that much of a step from what no. he was doing back then. He, he's not as fast, and he doesn't have like the ability to do quite as many power moves, but... The dude, the dude can go at the same level that he was going before, and uh, I, I don't want to say that you know the limited scope of what I watched compared to this and that. You know, it was a very performative like tag match with Tenshin. Sure. I think it was against Chono and Muda. So oh, he was yeah. just doing it. So he was just doing his thing. But just watching him eighteen years later, you're just like, God damn, man. Kojima had a gas tank too back in the day because he yeah. intends on teased a one hour draw and did a fall at like 58 or 59 minutes in a match, you know, that type of thing where right. everybody in the building thought it was going to go to a draw and then they did a finish at the end. So, uh, you know, he, he can do, he could do it all. Yeah. And uh, Venka mentions Northern lights bomb. Yeah. So somebody has been watching Julia and <laughs> besides us and uh, Venkin just mentions the challenge for Kojima or Okada has that challenge in 14 years. So yeah. You're going to be looking Kojima. like a GMO now. Yeah, I, if anyone can, it's him. But yeah, that's that's the that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, the, very few, very few. I'm not going to say none, but uh, very, very few. I guess. Well, we can. We don't need to list the names, but it, it, very few people in their fifties are this good, and this consistent. I mean, Suzuki can pull matches out like that, but he doesn't do that many of them. You know, so some of some of the conversations and the projects that we have planned for December will more than likely touch on the age and how how well people gracefully uh get better or worse with their wrestling and their bodies uh mm. when we're going through some potential main event matches from wrestle kingdom past and we'll probably be able to touch on that while we're having those long form conversations up next was a special match with the blackpool combat club that was john moxley and wheeler yuda facing david finlay and kenta uh, we talked about how uh, Moxley and Yuta came right down the aisle by us. We were sitting on the aisle here together. And uh, there was a lot of Blackpool Combat Club selling in this one. It was mostly them playing Ricky Morton in turns. Both Wheeler and Mox had long selling segments as they work hard to get David Finlay over as the heel. So they gave him a lot of the offense here. But in the end, Mox tagged in, won a striking battle with Kenta, hit the Death Rider for the win. Uh, the only question in this was whether it would be Kenta or Wheeler taking the pin because we knew they weren't going to touch either Moxley or Finlay in that sense. The match was fine. Finlay has not won over the New Japan crowd. Nope. There was a loud chant of great value Jay White is what they were calling him right there. Great value, of course, the generic brand at Walmart. So I keep thinking about this. It's going to be so hard for Finlay because no other Bullet Club leader has years and years of mid-card mediocre, mediocre results. Not mediocre wrestling. Dave Finlay's a good wrestler. But the perception of him as an okay guy in the middle of the card who 
loses against the big guys and sometimes wins, awfully hard to make somebody a faction leader fresh off of that. That's a challenge. And no other Bullet Club leader had to do it. Uh, Finn Balor, when he was Prince Devitt, he was one of the top juniors in the world before Bullet Club. Uh, Kenny Omega, please, right? I mean, he was a special attraction with the Golden Lovers and all, and was always treated as a big-time guy, even when he was a, a junior making guest spots with New Japan. AJ came in on top and stayed there. Jay White just had the run with Chaos, where we knew he was a mole, you know, just kind of digging his way through that group, and then turned on Okada. None of those guys had years of losing in the mid-card to overcome. Boy, does David have a long way to go on that. The crowd just doesn't buy him yet. I have a theory here that I'm not even sure Finley, like, if the, people seem to think it's a foregone conclusion that David Finley is going to win at Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm no, not I don't think necessarily, it is. what? I don't think it's necessarily a given at all. Yeah. So if he does not win, I think that there are bigger days ahead for him. What he needs to have is an excellent match at Wrestle mm-hmm. Kingdom when he has the spotlight with him, John Moxley and Will Ospreay. The amount of hatred, the amount of vitriol, the amount of annoyance that people have at the sheer mention that David Finley would dare be in this match with Will Ospreay and John Moxley has the real estate of so many New Japan fans in their heads and people who don't watch New Japan and still wondering, what is David Finley doing in this match? This is his opportunity on a silver platter by Geta to basically say, put up or shut up. This is your moment. We have brought you to this dance. Show us what you got. Show us that we believe in you. And if he does, you know, the, the runway is clear straight on through perhaps for the New Japan Cup, for him to go even bigger and go maybe challenge for the IWGP if he does not win this new title that goes after that, which kind of always felt like the direction they were going is that they were going to go with Finley, they were going to go all the way. The threat of Finley going into Wrestle Kingdom has proven to me that he is viable because he gets a reaction. And that is, first and foremost, one of the things that you need in pro wrestling is that you need to be able to elicit a reaction from the people watching, whether they like you or not. And if he can get them to react and now he has an opportunity for them to watch it with Will Ospreay in the match, and they can come out grudgingly say, you know, I don't love him, but he's all right. Then you're starting to make it some headway. And that's kind of where I think the goal is, is that if they want him to have the opportunity to show people what they got beyond people already making their decisions about what they think Finley is and how he wrestles and everything. You know, a lot of opinions, man, a lot of them are from people who have not watched a single David Finley match in 2023. Dunstan Williams says that the... Uh, Eddie Kingston Kojima match was a good match. Gabe being next is a smart move, and that Gabe should be the leader of the War Dogs. He, he's moving that direction, uh, whether they want him to or not. And uh, Ben and Bjorn mentions that AJ Styles was the goat back in the day. Boy, was his New Japan run special. Uh, just a well, he's a special talent anyway, isn't he? But that uh, very few people have just walked into New Japan and felt at home on top the way uh, AJ did. So yeah, well done by everyone involved there. 
Moving on to this one. Hey, uh, now. <laughs> now we've got a match, boy. I love this match. Zack Sabre Jr. World Television title match against Mike Bailey. I got to say this. Mike Bailey's kicks are even nastier in person. Boy, do they make a noise. And they're just as stiff as hell, it seems. So are Zack's uppercuts, by the way. Like this one was one like the just the sound of these guys hitting each other uh, around that arena. It just had an uh, – you could feel it. It really added to the atmosphere. There were chants for both. The crowd absolutely loved this match. There was a legit this is awesome chant, which doesn't always happen in New Japan. You know, like you, everyone that goes to WWE and AEW, like they wait for anything to get kind of good because they want to chant it. You know, it's part of the experience of going. Doesn't always happen in New Japan. This one got a legit this is awesome chant. Fantastic near falls at the end with the spin kick by Bailey, double knees. Uh, it built to uh, a lot of close calls here with strikes. Finally, Zach managed to lock on a submission as the clock ticked down. I felt like we were uh, really, really teasing that 15-minute time limit draw hard, and sure enough, 14 minutes and 54 seconds with mere seconds to go. Mike Bailey had to tap out, and that was it. Zach got the victory, 14:54, almost a draw, not quite. This was wonderful. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on all the social media. Go find it. This match is worth your time. Fantastic. If you don't know this already, all of Zach Sabre Jr.'s NJPW World TV title championships are available on YouTube on New Japan World. You can watch any one of them at any given time. They upload them shortly after the matches. That was always the gimmick of the uh, the TV titles, that they were going to put all the matches free online for, for them to watch. The crime in this match, Stephen, was that it was too short. <laughs> it needed to be like 22, 23, 24 minutes. They were just getting started, and they could have sprinted at that level for way longer. This looked fantastic. And I think I joked somewhere that uh, Will Ospreay's uh, clean sleep of the top three or top five matches in uh, 2023 might have been threatened by this one. <laughs> this was brilliant. And uh, Venkin mentions that uh, Bailey comes up short again. And, I mean, it was expected. Yeah, I, they don't have to protect him. He's not their guy. So they don't need it. It's a beautiful thing when you have a guy that's that good and that exciting and you don't have to protect him because then you can just put your guys over him, <laughs> which they've been doing for the most part. They treated him well, certainly in yeah. Super Juniors. But in the end, he puts over the New Japan guy. That's how these guest shots work in the end. And uh, Richard just says this was uh, hellacious, and it the noises help when the building is half empty. You're not wrong, but uh, nevertheless, uh, they still had to make the noise. And it did not did. look good on television the way that they had that that show shot. It yeah. looked like they were in just an alley, a they dark never, alley with a lit ring. Super weird. They never shoot it well. They never shoot it well. It did look better with the HD this time. I will I okay. will say that. Like it looked like they had upgraded the video filming, and that part looked good. Even when they switched angles and the lighting was not great between them, that was mitigated uh, significantly this time. But uh, the general lighting around the ring ain't great. Yeah, and their production in the U.S. just has not been up to par. Uh, Dunstan mentions that could have been a Wrestle Kingdom match. Boy, that would have been great at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, but yeah, they have other plans for Zach, as we found out. We'll get to that. Uh, Vengan says, uh, also makes me think, what? Uh, impact what are we doing start pushing him they say for mike bailey so i can't get enough of the guy what can i say like this past year he's just been incredible he's been incredible before that but this year if, if will hospray weren't having the year he was having zach saber jr and 
Mike Bailey would be fighting it out for best year going. And it just shows you how good the wrestling's been this year that there's such, yeah. uh, that there's uh, all those different choices for that. Up next, we did have Mayu Iwatani, one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time, uh, in an IWGP women's title match against a real strong talent from Mexico, Stephanie Vaquer. Ah, you said strong. <laughs> oh, there you go. And uh, the first seven minutes of this match was almost all Vaquer. Mayu worked very hard to put her over as a threat. I'm not sure people really perceived Vaquer as someone who was a real challenger to Mayu Iwatani. So Iwatani did everything she could to put Vaquer over for the first about seven minutes of this one. Vaquer is really good. And Mayu also worked the crowd a lot pretty well. She got us kind of moving and cheering right there. Uh, but the crowd kind of knew Mayu was winning. And but it yeah, was I think everybody knew. It was <laughs> really during, good. During that, during Stephanie's like, you were the really one that was saying Vicar was going to win. <laughs> you were saying Vicar was going to win on this show. They were throwing the kitchen sink uh, at Mayu Donnie there. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun to see uh, both of them, really. But Iwatani in person I mean, is truly one of the, the greatest. And they were, uh, they were and, and, and this is really cool to see because Vaquer is part of this group now. There is a strong generation of female wrestlers in CMLL. That has not always been the case. I've been watching CMLL a long time. They have a, a group of women around. It's not treated the way WWE treats the women's division where main events, things and all that, they're usually right after the minis <laughs> or the rookies, you know, it's, it's second or third on the card on Friday nights and things, but between Zeusis and Yuvia and Stephanie Vacare and uh, Johnny Robbie, the, the people we saw in Las Vegas, like they sent the A troops to that Las Vegas show, by the way, there are others as well, but those are the ones uh, the Reina Isis has really improved in the last couple of years is one that we haven't seen. Uh, we're really seeing a, a little golden age of female talent in CMLL. And I wonder if seeing these things in stardom and WWE putting, you know, women in the main event of WrestleMania, is it just, is this having that ripple effect now where the female talent around the world is really coming up? Uh, or it could just be that they just got a lot of good trainees at the same time around. Uh, it's possible, but either way, I'm very happy as somebody who likes Lucha Libre to see uh, the women really doing uh, great here. Fun match. Maybe, maybe uh, both. Maybe it's a rising tide and great training. Yeah, could very well be. And uh, But I'm happy to see it. And Vaquer did a terrific job. Uh, Iwatani's great. Fun stuff. Just a treat. Just a great match. Um, this is going to end up on New Japan World in bits and pieces later on. And when you make time, make time for this one. It's on Stardom World, by the way. It is Already? on the, oh, ma awesome. the match is on Stardom World right now. Yeah, you can find it there uh, if you want to. I don't know if it'll turn up there, but uh, let's see. Uh, now, oh, we have some comments here. I do want to get to some comments here briefly. Uh, Venkin says, can I have a CMLL rematch? That'd be cool to see Mayu and uh, Actually, Arena they are Mexico. having a CMLL rematch. They are? Yeah, I believe, uh, I, yes, I believe that they're they're doing a run, running it back. Let's hope so. Uh, Dunstan says that uh, Mayu and Vaquer is really good. Hope to see her in stardom. They're dire need of some new uh, talent. Well, everybody's injured. Everybody in stardom is injured. And uh, Richard said that Vaquer was very, very impressive. And uh, Venkin says, hear me out. Vaquer versus Athena. Yes, please. Sure. Let's do that. Anyone argue with that one? Athena no. versus Vaquer be a lot of fun. Good night. I'm here for it. Yeah, no, you don't have to, you don't have to talk us into that. Our main event was, uh, yeah, Richard says Mayu challenged her to a match in CML. Good, let's do that. Uh, never open weight title. Shingo Takagi, Trent Beretta. Now, 
I mentioned the Trent's announcement, though, his challenge in Las Vegas kind of fell on its ass a little bit because everyone's like, well, Trent Beretta is the guy. I wanted to emphasize again, it's not because Trent isn't a good wrestler. He's an excellent wrestler. It's just that he's not pushed much right now. So it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it wasn't exactly what we were expecting. So they had this match. It goes 25 minutes, 44 seconds. Jeremy, Trent Beretta plays at this level. He is in this league. He this match could. was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed it again. And the fact that he is standing kind of behind Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, and Orange is terrific. Orange has really done great. It's just a little bit mind-boggling that AEW doesn't quite seem to realize what they have. No one's no one in the US seems to. WWE didn't do a whole lot with well, them in NXT. And, he, I, what is he, it? He's, he's been terrific. injured at inopportune time. In well, that's true. That uh, yeah. he has always shown an aptitude to to outkick his coverage in matches, including what that car match with Proud and Powerful that one time, where oh, yeah, it yeah. ended up being like the highest rated uh, car brawl backstage parking lot brawl match of all time. Not that there's a whole lot of them, <laughs> but but we're talking like category. just like. The dude can go in a variety of different ways. There's no shock about this. What really comes down to is that no one has believed in Trent Beretta in such a way that uh, he is considered a viable main event performer. And that's partly to do with his association with Chuck Taylor and the best friend. That is not a main event. Um, that is not a main event kind of gimmick. Had right. he stayed with New Japan, which is the conversation that he had on this show, like he hadn't had an opportunity in four years for a single title. He wanted to show what he can do. Uh, that whole promo that he did. Um, I'd say that he has changed some minds. Now, he's still at AEW. I don't see his role changing in AEW in any way, shape, or form. But it seems like AEW is willing to let their talent who has some familiarity, some familiarity with New Japan, with Rapongi and Chaos, like Trent, perhaps with some others, to broach that going into the new year, and that can be great for Trent. But even if he does, he's still going to be a lower man on the totem pole because he's going to have to work his way up. This is a very good match. Trent worked very hard to make himself yes. look like a threat here. Uh, he uh, ended up uh, so he, at one point he's just getting over the idea that he's pissed. Basically, is the whole thing. He wasn't. He was kind of a heel, but not totally in this thing. But just like he wanted to show that he had an edge to him, a little attitude to him. And uh, he shoved the referee down, shoved the referee down. This referee sold that like he had taken a finisher. He, from being shoved to the mat, this referee laid there, shook up for five minutes. It was ridiculous. It was like the rock taking a stone cold stunner. <laughs> Someone just said like the ref, all he did was get shoved. And it's like, heaven forbid anybody actually hits this guy. He's going to get killed, you know, like, but <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, so he ran shingle through a table in the corner of 10 minutes. This is again, to just get him over that. He's got an edge. Now he's pissed. Uh, he then did what was the most one of the most obvious blade jobs since New Jack, where he gets hit in the head and you see him struggle with the tape on his hand and then unwrap it finally. And he got the little pull tab that he'd made and he gets in there and then with a big thing and then boom, ah, there's the blade. Okay, good. Then he rolls out of the ring and gigs the hell out of himself. Uh, so uh, finally, he got that done. So he's he's a big blade job there. 
Uh, they started hitting big moves as they moved toward 20 minutes. There was a pumping bomber, a made in Japan for a kickout. Uh, they could have used Kevin Kelly on that, by the way, because it was Eddie Kingston used made in Japan and Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross had no freaking clue what that move was. Uh, but um, big surprise there. It was a move that happened after 1987. Uh, wow. GTR in the ropes <laughs> led to a last of the dragon. That was very good. The outcome was not in doubt, but there were a lot of good near falls going up to the 25 minute mark. Again, Trent plays on this level. And then after the match, we had Tama Tonga from earlier come out challenged Shingo Takagi to a rematch, which they made for Wrestle Kingdom. Bit of a surprise that that ends up being the Wrestle Kingdom match for Shingo, but nevertheless, that's how it turned out. Very good ending to the show. Uh, some of the folks here thought that the uh, Colin said that the last two matches should have been swapped, per, um, perhaps. I thought this was a fitting ending to a strong uh, to a strong show, if we can just do another uh, pun there. Honestly, uh I was a little let down that Tamatonga was the guy that came out afterwards. I was hoping that maybe they would do that match before they got to Wrestle Kingdom. But we were all, we were all hoping against hope that it was Nakajima. Yeah, right? yeah, but you know, it's like Tamatonga worked really, really hard. They're both uh, upper mid card talents, and it's a good match to have with each other. It was just kind of a a wind out of my sails that had me going from this could be one of the best Wrestle Kingdoms of all time to, okay, this is still a very good Wrestle Kingdom. I am just tempering my expectations a little bit on that one. Uh, as for the main event, fantastic main event. I do kind of think, in hindsight, the uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed, I kind of prefer that show over Lone Star Shootout, uh, if we're comparing mm -hmm. both of them, but we're going to continue the streak of attending live domestic New Japan shows. I will be at the San Jose show on January 13th. Yeah. And uh, we will continue to talk live, having the first perspective only found on Speaking Strong Style. We have New Japan covered like cheese on a pizza, I'm telling you. We've got it. Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, Richard mentions the main event, the only match to get color. Novel concept. <laughs> yes, on a, on a show with John Moxley on it, who didn't bleed. It was a miracle. And uh, Dunstan says, good main event, but man, being Tama, uh, Tama being the guy for Wrestle Kingdom is disappointing. Jeremy, uh, I agree with Jeremy, according to Richard, Tama was a letdown. Yeah, I mean, it was the thing with, you know, uh, oh, and Richard mentioned something else I'm going to get to in a second here. Uh, Dunstan mentions the show was too long for him. Uh, maybe it's because the recent U.S. shows, they don't it need to be three hours long. long. Uh, it didn't seem long in the building, I didn't think. I didn't think so. I was watching the show uh, while I was at Collision, and I think I think Red Velvet and Ruby Soho were wrestling at the same time as Eddie Kingston, Satoshi Kojima was while well, I was on my phone. Six and one half a dozen. I apologize the other one. that Red Velvet and Ruby Soho walked out to me watching uh, uh, Kingston and Satoshi Kojima. Uh, from the fans. <laughs> yeah, Richard mentions that it flew by uh, in the building to him as well. So it was a brisk show uh, in, in the building and really enjoyable there. And he mentioned something else that happened. I think it may have happened after the thing went off the air, but Shingo uh, put the cowboy hat yep. on. And oh, did, it, did they show that? I saw then a little he, bit of that on. Then he on did the, the stand and backstage. He did the Stan Hansen he with the, <laughs> the hook him. Uh, that got over, but and and the the crowd figured it out. I don't know, like Stan Hansen's eternal man. I'm telling you, uh, of course, the bad man from Borger, Texas. So there you go. All right, so, let's, uh, show, let's show the bright center of this uh, this graphic. Woo! 
Holy moly, look at that thing. I gotta, let's see. Look at that. Boy, they, their graphics do look snazzy. Never wow. open weight championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Tamatanga, Shingo Takagi. Uh, yeah, I, not what we were hoping for, I suppose. But it, it, hey, that match in Las Vegas was fabulous. They're probably going to make it better because they're going to be in the dome in front of that crowd and that audience. So let's look at it from that perspective. We already know. I think that it'll they be a good. Do- I think it'll be a good match. I think it just wasn't what anyone really. I'm looking forward to that. Now, next up, uh, I mean, yeah, if, if Shingo were against Nakajima, it would have been a little bit better. But, hey, you know, hey, Tamatanga and Shingo are going to have a good match. The other match made for Wrestle Kingdom, like we mentioned, Zack Sabre Jr., TV title, Hiroshi Tanahashi. The only thing I really have to say about this one is we've discussed it before that Tanahashi, maybe his body is not going to let him be the Hiroshi Tanahashi of old. But New Japan is not yet prepared to put him in those six-man tags in the They're second They're not letting him go. <laughs> it's just not happening yet. So he's going to have a match with Zach. Here it is. And, uh, you know, that's a guy that can bring it out of him, though. And he isn't going to have to do the stuff that his body doesn't let him. Does that make sense? Like some of the stuff that he has trouble with, you don't have to do that stuff in Zach matches. So it, it's it's a good matchup minutes. for Tyler. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. And all by the way, that, that's the tweet. Hiroshi Tanahashi, John Tamer Jr. 12 minutes, and it'll be great. Ta- Tamatanga and Shingo Takagi. The other note I had about that one, I believe that they were planning on Shingo and Suji being in the World Tag League, or else they wouldn't have had both of them talk about it in backstage comments. Right. But something's changed between then and now. And, you know, again, I don't think they're going to put Shingo in there and just say, eh, you know, just go ahead and do a couple of things. Shingo's one of the best guys out there. So I really think that they'll probably pull out something special for that one. Pressure's going to be on to do so. What else is on the docket, my friend? World Tag League. We know who the teams are. And in the past, World Tag League has not been the most exciting tournament on the calendar. Especially the last few years, we tend to see the same old, same old in this. This year, very different. There are a lot of very fresh teams. As a matter of fact, in Block B, Seven of the eight teams in the block are making their debuts. In block A, uh, three teams are making their debut. Two others are in only their second World Tag League tournament. This is a very fresh lineup, and I think it's an interesting one. And so I'm excited about it. Uh, And I I think that this is going to be something interesting. We've been asking for this for a while to freshen this thing up, and they have delivered. And, uh, you know, there's... Some interesting teams here. Let's run them down. Now, of course, we the one that that has my attention, Shota Umino, Ren Narita. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in there with the classic chaos combination of Ishii and Yano. So no Tanahashi. It's going to be Ishii and Yano. Of course, they've competed in this tournament many times before. Uh, after that, we have uh, Henare and Great Okan. So there's the United Empire represent, representatives, and they've been in it before. TMDK. One of the best teams out there. Nichols and Haste. Nichols and Haste, yes. And then, of course, the War Dogs, that being Coglin and Kid. We also have Yujiro and Evil from the House of Torture. Dave, Dave Melker's favorite tag team. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we have what we expected. Uh, we mentioned this one weeks and weeks and weeks ago. I don't know if we brought it up in the year the last couple of weeks, but we expected Kiyomiya and Oiwa, who is, of course, on his excursion with Noah, coming back for this one, very similar to the way Kosei Fujita came back from excursion to participate in Junior League. Here we have Oiwa in World Tag League. 
And then the and, AEW representatives. Woo, yeah, there, we go. there they are, right there. Pretty good. Gates of Agony. Pretty cool. Bishop so, yeah. Khan and Toa Leone. Yeah, yeah. And that, so that's they, uh, a, they, might, they might be a little bit of fun. Okay, so we're going to play the fun game of <laughs> who people face on the first night and who people face on the last night. So, let's bring up the grid. All right. So in the A block, the key uh, moments there is, of course, you, you look who's going to be finishing things up. But talk about opening night, if you will. All right, so we got Shota Umino and Ren Narita facing off uh, with Great Ocon and uh, Hinare. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be like right out the gate uh, underdog status for them. Then we got Tomohiro Ishii and uh, Toriano are going to take on Evil and Yujiro in that classic getup that we've had multiple times. Uh, mm -hmm. TMDK will take on Gates of Agony, which honestly sounds like a fantastic match on the first night of, uh, of the tournament. And then we got uh, Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd versus uh, Kido Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa. And that too seems like underdogs uh, looking to overcome something. So I look at this and I think the AEW representatives will get some respect, but I don't think they're going to be involved all the way to the end, like the Gates of Agony. I don't see them yeah. making the funds. Oiwa, I think, is going to be treated an awful lot like Eagles and Fujita in that they will get a couple of wins, but it'll mostly be Oiwa taking the falls and protecting Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya will be getting the wins for that team. That's how I feel that's going to turn mm -hmm. out. House of Torture is going to be involved because there's always the threat of them ruining everything. And uh, the War Dogs, I think, will also be part of this. TMD, here's what jumped out to me, looking at the final matchup. So you're yes. going to have, on December 6th, Evil and Yujiro will be facing Shota and Ren. So there's I'm the, here for the, that. <laughs> there's the threat of House of Torture ruining everything, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the other one is TMDK against War Dogs. That feels like a win-in-your-in finals for me, doesn't it? Mm, I don't know if it's a win-in-your-in. Yeah, yeah, okay. You see what I mean? Yeah. The other one is going to be Okan and Hanare against Ishii and Yano, which, you know, fine, but I don't think Ishii and Yano are going to be in the mix. This could be like the one where they, Okan and Hanare trip over the finish line a little bit. So you, and, think, you think that it'll be Umino and Narita and Coblin and Gabe Kidd as the team to go forward? I think, we're, I think we might see Shota and Ren or TMDK. And here's why I mentioned TMDK. I know we've already done it a little bit. Uh, my 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 lean is on Shota and Ren. If I had to put money on it, Shota and Ren come out of the sure. A block. The reason I keep TMDK in mind is because they keep repeating best team to never win the title. Best team to never win the title. Usually when they start doing things like that, means they're about to win the title. Uh -huh. But doesn't have to happen now. Doesn't have to happen now. I still, if I'm going to put money on it, if I were a betting man, and I am, uh, Ren and Shota is kind of my pick for the A block coming out of this one. I think Coglin and Kid. There's too many plans for Kid mm -hmm. already. Uh, TMDK. We've just seen that. So again, my money just on instinct. Ren and Shota. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Ren and Shota. And given given the other one, I think I'm gonna lean with Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kid because of the threat that people believe that they could actually beat Bishamon again. Um, 
I think I think the Shota and Ren team is primed for you know hitting their peak at exactly the right time and then kind of cleaning house. And these are only format like they're they're alternating nights. We have eight matchups going right. through here, but they're alternating each night of the World Tag League. So by the time that we got through one week, we'll have watched three shows with somewhat inconclusive idea. But by the time we get to the two weeks later, right before the finals, we'll have mapped out and understood everything about this one. And it just, from the end of that best of seven series during August and September, it was like, they have plans for Shota and Ren. And the, and they've been priming people with the Desperado and Wado and the uh, Yuji Nagata and Suzuki but this is this is the prime rib of of the of the of the buffet right here. So, and then Benkin mentions, can anyone take Kato seriously after that Okada beatdown? Yeah, you can. Yeah. I, granted, it hasn't been his greatest year on that, but I don't think that team's going to be involved. I, like I said, I think Oiwa doing jobs is probably what's going to keep them from uh, being in the mix on that. So, uh, and also, Dunstan mentioned, do they change the format of this tournament, Jeremy? Do you know how many teams advance out of the two. block? It is, it's two. So, semifinals. Two two, so, you have to plan for two teams advancing. So, that's why I'm thinking Cobb and getting Coughlin and Umino and Narita are the two teams, with Umino and Narita maybe being the number two seed, uh, mm. barely squeaking in with Cobb and Kid and Coughlin being a little bit more dominant. I will take Kid and Coughlin out, and I would put in TMDK to go with uh, Umino and Ren. That's just my thought on it. Well, let's look at the other side first, and then yeah. I'm going to make that decision. Oh, maybe you haven't thought. B Block has a bunch of rookie teams with Bishamon. That's the thing. Bishamon, the World Tag Team Champions, are in this group, and they're uh, paired up with Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Hikuleo and ELP. Of course, that's the strong tag team champions. We have Taichi and Yuya Uemura, whose name I got right on the first time. Yoda Suji and Z. Now let's talk about this very briefly before we move <laughs> on to the next one. This has been intimated that this is a Rev Pro guy. Apparently, we're going to find out on Saturday. Now Z is not scheduled to. Or is it Saturday? No. Wait. Twenty. No. And uh, Who I do you think Sunday. it is. Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. Uh, now, uh, let me see. Now, they're supposed to wrestle. I'm going to look this up, make sure I get it right. Okay. At the Light Cube on Sunday, apparently it is going to be revealed according to something that was said on uh, in the preview on NJPW1972.com. But they said that we'll find out uh, on Sunday in uh, Tochigi. And, uh, but there is no Z scheduled to wrestle. Maybe you'll just say who it is. Or maybe they've changed their mind and we'll just find out on the first night. Either way. They mentioned that it might be a Rev Pro guy, and he said it's not an X, it's a Z. So the reason it's Z and not X, which is the usual mystery opponent designation, is because Suji said it's a Z and not an X. I've looked at the Rev Pro page. <laughs> so the only other Z that isn't Sabre Jr. is Zach Knight. Do we think it's Zach Knight, or is this no. somebody totally different? Who do you think, I think it's it is? somebody totally different. Do you know? I think I know. So... I'm gonna, roll I'm, gonna, it out gonna pull, I'm gonna pull the screen down. So this is kind of a funny story. Uh when New Japan dropped the bracket uh in their haste, they forgot to remove the name of Yoda Suji's apart. Get the hell out. And so it is I didn't out see it. there. Uh who is it? 
and I I am kind of in a I am kind of like it it's a little bit of bad faith to talk about it, even though like it's kind of an open secret among some of the people. It's a where, new Japan where show. Do you, do you want to know who you think who I think it might be based off of the bracket spoiler, or Cl- do we want to like just plausible deniability? Clo- close your ears and hum if you're watching and you're listening and you don't want to hear. And and he's going to say the name in five seconds. Five, four, okay, three, two, one. It is Zandikin from CMLL that mm. is his partner. They have tagged in the past before. He was on the card for Yoda Suji's last match at CMLL oh, back in go. May. He was written on the bracket on the top level before um, the card was uh, then pulled and re-edited to just maintain the seed. The wrestler's name is Zandikin. Okay, I know nothing there about he is the Z, so there you go. All right, so there you have it. So uh, yeah, that's the we're back to that. And uh, let's see, uh, Dunstan has mentioned maybe it's me, but Kato has such a freshness to him with so many new feuds for him in New Japan. Yes, uh, he'll go back to Noah, but I wonder if Bushi Road want to offer him a deal in the future. I don't think you bring him in this much unless you're really interested in the guy. Uh, but Kiyomiya being in this, being in G1 being a part of the the dome shows uh, yeah i think they are very interested in kato kimia and should be talented dude and uh, uh we so spent way go. too much time dissecting yoda Fuji's partner the next team <laughs> soberano jr and atlantis jr so we have the cmll team right there all right so yeah lance archer and alex zane also in that oh. group in their first tournament funny that they're in the same bracket as hikaleo and elp well, and then we have, uh, yeah, Jack Bonza and uh, Bad Luck Folly. So this is uh, one of the, uh, uh, the, jeez, uh, why am I blanking? Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Oceana, Oceana. One of the Oceana guys out there, Jack Bonza. Uh, Jack Bonza will be taking some pins, huh? He's going to be the real hey boy <laughs> of the uh, bracket. It ain't going to be Bad Luck Folly taking the pins. Oh, man. Okay, one, let's, Bankin, go, let's go to the bracketology real quick. Banking wants Lance Archer to beat everyone. Well, he's going to beat some folks, I tell you that. So there you have it. Again, the only team that has appeared in World Tag League before uh, is Goto and Yoshihashi. So there you have it. So, uh, so Jeremy. Night one, we have Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata versus Soberano Jr. and Atlantis Jr. Cool. We have Alex Zane and Lance Archer versus Jack Bonza and Bad Luck Fale. It's going to be a bad night for Fale. <laughs> we got Yuya Uemura and Taichi versus Z and Yoda Suji. And then we have Fishamon versus ELP and Hikaleo. So, so no, okay, go ahead. Slightly exciting, but feels like there are better matchups uh, lined up down the way for that one. So let's see on December 4th, which is the last night of block action, what's going to be uh, going you, on there. Right so we ha- will have, uh, it'll be Yota Suji and Z against Lance Archer and Alex Zane. That doesn't feel like a match that's going to be too much in the mix, but perhaps maybe, you know, maybe Archer and Zane are going to get a bit of a push. Hikaleo and ELP will be facing the CMLL team of Atlantis, Atlantis Jr. and Soberano Jr. And then we will have what I think is probably the key match here. Uh, Nagata and Suzuki against Bishamon. 
That's intriguing in a few ways right there. And then the last one on that last day, uh, Fale and Banzu against Taichi and, uh, and Yume Yura. So to me, this kind of feels like Nagata and Suzuki are going to be in this thing, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't think that they – I could see Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto making it forward um, just because they already are the champions and they want them to look strong. Yes. I also like if they didn't, you know, they put Hikaleo in the and the extra bracketing of the G1 here. I am not about to rule out ELP and Hikaleo. Well, uh, but doesn't it make sense that both sets of tag team champions move on out of this? Because that's the strong tag absolutely. champions and the IWGP tag champions. I could absolutely see those two teams going through with would you Nagata have and Uemura and Taichi go forward though? That's or a no, if, I, if Yoda, if um, if Shoda and Ren do, you kind of want to leave that spotlight of young talent to them. Yeah, I think that you know that I think that's a possibility right there. But again, I, I don't know that that's going to be the way they go. But especially because their last match is against Fale and Bonza, and there doesn't feel like there's any kind of a dramatic turn to that one. Does that make sense? It, it sounds like that's a match that Taichi and Yumeura Yumeura will win, but there's no kind of dramatic result out of that the other two matches feel like more of the win and you're in type for me i don't want bishamon in the extra bracket play and potentially meeting ren and shoda before wrestle kingdom if that makes oh. any sense oh i think they lose in the semis to somebody yeah i think you know maybe but i like if you you want Bishamon to win their bracket or do you want them to be second? Because if they're second, I would have them face the war dogs and the other, but if they win their bracket, they would end up facing Ren and Shota who would be second as like presumptive underdogs in that bracket. That's what I'm kind of just thinking about, you know, I'm going to coming back to the other one. It's like, there are dynamics here that I kind of want to keep people apart from each other until mm -hmm. January 4th. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's Yeah. There, yeah, I mean, there's there's some points to be made there in there, but yeah, I, and and uh, Dunstan thinks Taichi and Yumeura, you you sorry about that, Yuya. I'm going to be doing that my whole career. Yuya Uemura will advance. He thinks he and Taichi possible. What They're if it's a winning you're in with Yoshihashi and Goto and Suzuki and Nagata? Suzuki and Nagata do win, and then it's Ren and Shota versus Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki on the finals possible and venkin is asking by the way when's taichi's rematch for the king of uh, pro wrestling belt uh in about in a few hours it's it's, it's on the show we're, we're, we're gonna uh, hit that one up right before we uh yeah. but not a factor for world tag league uh thankfully that's out of, that'll be out of the way I, the only thing that bothers me about the just five guys thing is that their final match is against Fale and bonza and they don't usually do a thing where they cruise into the semifinals with a victory you know what i mean uh, right they did but they did it with sonata uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Like, there's one of those, okay, we've taught you everything. We can teach you. Go win those titles kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of passing of the torchness that going into Wrestle Kingdom that I could definitely see. So um, this is definitely way more wide open of a bracket than the A block. But... Yeah. Frankly speaking, Stephen, I'm super excited for the World Tag League. These matches mm -hmm. are, for the most part, going to rip. And we're going to be having a lot of fun talking about the majority of the stuff, uh, talking about our favorite matches, 
uh, you know, in two weeks when we come back. So let's take a look now uh, at the uh, other announcement that's coming up this weekend here. We have, uh, we do have the uh, King of Pro Wrestling title on the line. Uh, that is tomorrow morning, and uh, and that is going to be. <laughs> Your show is having a moment here. I, I don't know. I, someone needs I'm to check on show. I'm still on board sure with insane show. <laughs> well, we're getting it, aren't we? So let's right. talk about this now. They they put up the the stipulations for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Now Taichi did not put up stipulations, so it was all a matter of which of shows stipulations were going to be used. There were a couple of dummy ones in there that no one was ever going to pick. So it came down to two different ones. There was a leather strap lumberjack type of thing where anyone that came outside got whipped, and I'm sure that the talent is thrilled that the fans did not pick that one. Instead, in a landslide, the rules for the main event are. Yoshinobu Kanemaru is the special referee. Love it. The loser can never again wrestle in Yamagata, and no signature moves allowed. So no shock arrow for show, no uh, signature moves for Taichi, and uh, so there you go. Uh, no Black Mephisto, all that kind of stuff. But um, the key thing, of course, Kanemaru as the special referee. We'll see what they do with that. That is the King of Pro Wrestling title match coming up tomorrow. Uh, all right. We also have new Young Lions starting this week. Oh, yes, we do. So we have uh, two new Young Lions. So beginning November 20th, we will see the debut of Shoma Kato. He will debut against Oscar Loibe. Uh, this will be an interesting contrast because uh, uh. Kato, Kato is the junior heavyweight. We, we, we don't have a junior heavyweight Young Lion at the moment. Uh, he's off on excursion. Everybody else is a heavy. So Kato will be a new. Uh, he is five foot eight, about 180 pounds. Uh, grew up playing baseball and was part of the, the reality show called The Spirit that Kazuchika Okada produced about a handful of dojo hopefuls. So he came from that show. And we will be I, seeing him uh, beginning on uh, November 20th. I hope Tomohiro Ichii takes him under his wing. <laughs> there you go. And then after that, on November 21st, Yuto Nakashima will take on Katsuya Murashima. He is 23 years old, 202 pounds. And uh, came up through the amateur ranks. Like I mentioned that uh, Kato was a baseball player and uh, got into wrestling uh, late. Uh, Murashima, uh, quite the opposite. is an amateur wrestler all the way through. And so uh, he has that background. Heavyweight, he'll be facing Nakashima on the 21st. So our first look, uh, as Nakashima, Loibe, and Bolton have graduated uh, to senior Lion status, we've got some, uh, some new ones. As we glimpse into the future. Speaking of glimpsing into the future, Stephen, do you feel like disclosing to the audience what we decided to do with some of our extra time with no real matches in December uh, for this Speaking Strong Style? Do you mind if we do one thing first, though? Yeah, I, I do want to go over a couple of other notes here uh, as to what's coming up in the coming week here. Now people uh, can get excited for my announcement. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we'll build anticipation with that. Friday, November 17th, like I mentioned, they are in Yamagata Big Wing. Uh, that is for uh, Tomowaki Honma's homecoming. Uh, and so the main event will be that King of Pro Wrestling title match. We will also see Honma team up with Ren Narita and Ryusuke Taguchi against Ishii, Tanahashi, and Okada, the six-man tag champions. That, uh, uh, by the way, Yamagata, about 230 miles north of Japan, kind of close to Sendai. That's where uh, Honma is originally from. Sunday, November 19th, they'll be in Tochigi. A few things uh, that might be interesting and what is a mostly house show preview tag card. Uh, we can get our first look at Jack Bonza. He's going to be on the card, so we can see that, Bob Fale's uh, partner. 
they keep saying, they said in that original announcement that Z will be revealed, uh, although he's not scheduled to wrestle. And as you said, there have been some hiccups, apparently, with this <laughs> announcement. So who knows what we're going to get there. Uh, but you can also get a look at the New Japan debut of uh, Khan and Leona. So you can see the Gates of Agony there. They'll be on that card. And Oiwa and Kiyomiya are teaming up with Hayata from Noah. So that's an all-Noah team uh, that'll be coming in for uh, that. And then, uh, I guess, Monday, World Tag League begins with the A Block at Corican Hall. Tuesday, November 21st. Uh, we will get the B block. And of course, Monday, in addition to the A block, Shoma Kato's debut. And then uh, we will get uh, Murashima's debut Tuesday, the 21st. So there you go. That is what's coming up next week. And then, of course, we will be back in two weeks to talk about everything that's gone on since then. And like Jeremy mentioned, he has some plans. Why don't you tell the folks about them? All right. After the World Tag League finishes, and perhaps we'll do a live show for that. We haven't really decided for that big finale event we'll kind of see we'll read the room on that one uh we're <laughs> gonna spend the four shows in december in addition to talking about wrestle kingdom and whatever else comes down the pike we're going to take advantage of the new japan world app and we are going to take a dive into the main event wrestle kingdom match history of tetsuya naito before his big wrestle kingdom 18 match so we've narrowed it down to i think Four matches. Uh, it'll be Mudo versus Naito from one of the early Wrestle Kingdoms, I believe Wrestle Kingdom 3 or 4. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also going to tackle Wrestle Kingdom 8. He had a main event match there for the IWGP title. Changed his whole gonna... life. What's that? That's the one that changed his entire trajectory. That was a big one. And then we're going to revisit Wrestle Kingdom 14 and 15, one of those dual night main event shows where uh, he also had some tremendous matches going into this final one. And so we'll make it clear going in on the, uh, the show on the 30th of, or the December 1st or whatever that is. Uh, the first match we'll be watching next week. So if you want to watch it on new Japan world and talk with us about it at the end, that is going to be our goal is just talking about what to expect and the uh, career of Naito through the last 15 years. So fight game media has you covered as we go through the weekend uh, there will be a full gear live show. Do you know what time that is, Jeremy, yet? Or is... uh, it's going to be about 15, 20 minutes after the end of the full gear pay-per-view. So uh, 9.30, 9.45, depending on whatever Tony Khan Left... decides is fit a fancy of how long the pay-per-view should go. That's left coast time. It'll be a little later yeah. for the folks out this way. And then, of course, uh, and then uh, Power Bombshells is back at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Make sure you turn in, tune into Sam and Mel, and we'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, for the folks out there in America, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you enjoy it. Holidays. Enjoy your time with your family. We thank you, as always, for everything that you do to support us, showing up, commenting, liking, subscribing. Uh, we love New Japan, and we love to do this show for you. Absolutely, we do. And so we're going to wrap this thing up for this week. We will be back in two weeks. And thanks, everyone, who uh, commented and joined us here and for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks again. Speaking of strong style, we'll be back and we will talk to you again very soon. <laughs>